All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sticks Golf Roundtable. Uh, this week, we have Lauren Greenleaf as our guest. She was a former UVA golfer, a 10-time VSGA winner. Uh, she won the 2015 U.S. Women's Mid-Am, and she's just kind of an all-around badass and really impressive human being. Uh, we're going to get into kind of her career, um, her choice to not turn professional, some of her close calls to certain events that will be unnamed until the pod. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy and, uh, we will see you guys next week. Awesome. Hey, everybody. I am Lauren Greenleaf. I am a women's amateur golfer from the state of Virginia. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have a like storied golf history. I've been playing amateur golf for my entire life. I learned how to play when I was five, played high school golf, played at UVA, have played a ton of events since graduating from college. Um, I've been lucky enough to think, win 10 VSGA championships and the 2015 USGA women's mid amateur, which is probably what I'm kind of most well known for in the state, but um, have been around the game a long time and have been around the amateur game in Virginia a long time as well. There you go. Well, um, you're also known for a ton of other wins just throughout amateur golf. So we're going to get to all of that. But one that's near and dear to my heart is the AGA women's am uh, in 2020 or 20, yeah, 2020. At uh, Dive Preserve, which is actually where I work in the wintertime. And 22. And 22. <laughs> was it a Dive Preserve as well? No, it was at um, the Dallas Rangers Golf Club in Texas. Okay. 22. Okay. But the inaugural year was in 2020 at Dive. I didn't know we had that connection either. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. I, I literally just read that a few hours ago, which is awesome. Good, How'd if, you like that? back there, you can caddy for it down there. Yeah, exactly. I'll caddy for it if you, if you come back. <laughs> I wouldn't, Actually, I wouldn't um, study my reads though. I'm not, you know, I'm good at carrying the bag. Perfect. Just, I like the die a lot. I, um, a really good friend of mine, a member there, Ina Kim Shad and her husband, Ian are members of the die. I know. Um, so played a practice round with them. It was a really good week. I mean, unfortunately it was really rainy. So we kind of tore up the golf course cause there's no cart paths. They let us drive carts all over the place. After, like, <laughs> into the rain. Yeah. That place that doesn't like, have the greatest drainage either. I mean, it's kind of a swamp to begin with. It was a little I mean, swampy. I mean, that played to my advantage in the mid-am game because in the mid-am side, I'm a longer hitter. So it was like the swampiness probably helped me. So I like the golf course. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you uh, got it done there. That's awesome. That's a great, it's a really fun place. Speaking of that, uh, Lauren, tell us, what is the Amateur Golf Alliance? This is a relatively new organization that's uh, putting on some tournaments, but I'm, I'm personally not uh, as familiar with it as I should be, and maybe you can share a little bit about that. Yeah, so the Amateur Golf Alliance. So it started out actually primarily hosting a men's team event. So they did the, I believe it's called the Concession Cup, um, which is really a men's mid-amateur team event. They played it at um, Secession down in Beaufort. Yep. Uh, for many years, I think it's a like biannual team event every other year where the top mid ams just play each other in kind of a fun weekend camaraderie thing to get people around kind of the country playing. Um, so that board of directors and there's actually a Virginia connection there. So Vinnie Giles, 
um, I'm sure everyone knows is kind of one of my favorite people on the planet. I love you. I love Vinny too. But Vinny's involved um, with the AGA as well. So they got together and said, we do this men's mid-amateur team event. What could we do for women's mid-amateur golf to kind of grow the game and create a playing opportunity? Um, So they put their heads together and stood up a women's amateur championship. So it's a 23 and over event, which is actually kind of unique. And I really like the concept. So they're going after the group of golfers who played in college, didn't turn pro, but they want to catch people before they get into that gap where you're 22 to 25 and you have nothing really to play in and you don't really have a home because you don't affiliate with college golfers. You're not a mid-am yet. So they wanted to open it up to those folks to try and keep them in the game. And I've actually seen that be really successful. So there's a bunch of folks that are 23, 24 years old who start building affiliations with the mid-am crowd a little bit earlier. And I think that's a really unique aspect of that tournament, which has worked really well. But they stood up the first event in 2022 um, they're trying to get something go or 2020 rather they're trying to get something going the year before, but had some issues landing a course and some other logistics, but, um, they've now held the tournament three years. Um, they try and host it at a really nice golf course and try to get people excited to want to come play, um, in the event. So I'm really excited about it. it basically added another national <laughs> caliber level tournament to mid-am golf. Cause you get all the same people, uh, that I compete with at the U S mid-am play in this AGA event. Cause it's a great opportunity and great place to come see your friends. So it's something I'm really excited about. You're, you're kind of like the, the queen of this event. I feel like at this point, like you, you've won it two of the three years you came in second, the year that you didn't win, are you kind of royalty on this tour? Like, I like, guess it's kind of my event, right? When you come like <laughs> it's crazy. All the people are really nice to me. I guess like I should just play in three-day stroke play mid-am events. It's kind of my sweet spot. Yeah. It'll, it, maybe it'll be the Lauren Greenleaf Invitational one day. Yeah, I probably should. Well, obviously, you you have a stellar record in match play as well. Um, so I, I was going to just kind of ask you, like, con- contrast, like, do you go into, you know, match play or stroke play tournaments any different? Um, I think at this point in my career, I really like match play events because – I think you can get away with more stuff. You know what you have to do. If you make a double bogey, it's not the end of the world. I try and not make double bogeys as a general rule, but as we all do times when you're working a ton. Um, And I always really liked match play in my career because I'm a like extreme type A individual, like competitive to the core, probably to a fault sometimes, to be (laughs) honest. But uh, I like knowing exactly what you have to do to beat somebody. You know exactly what you have to do on the whole. There's like some gamesmanship. So I've always enjoyed match play. Um, it's really challenging. I mean, I think it's harder to win a match play tournament than it is a stroke play tournament because you got to face so many people. You got to go through a bracket. You don't know if you're going to catch someone on a hot streak where they play six holes really well and you got to keep up. So I think there's more variables. I think that's fun too. So that's fair. See, I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought that you would have said that stroke play was easier and not, and not, or match play was easier and not stroke play for some reason. I don't know why. It's just more rounds in a bigger bracket and there's more uncertainties. So there's someone who could beat you in a match in 18 holes, but are they going to beat you in a, across three or four rounds in stroke play tournament? Probably not, but that's kind of fun with match play. I also find it to be like deeply personal and like very emotional. So I found match play losses to be more difficult for me to handle from a personal level than stroke <laughs> plays. They sting a little bit worse. I think. Oh yeah. They stand up longer. Fair enough. Let's let's back up a little bit. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up playing junior golf and how your path to the UVA women's golf team. I'm curious to hear that story. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting, non-conventional one. I think 
like junior golf has changed a bunch since I think we were probably growing up. I know we're a little bit older now compared to the kids out there, but um, so I grew up at International Country Club in Fairfax, Virginia. I think my family joined there when I was one or two years old. So really grew up in that environment. Um, started the junior golf program when I was probably five or six years old, the little like one day a week clinic and the three holes or five holes that you go out and play one night a week to kind of learn the game. But I played every sport growing up. Um, I feel pretty passionate about kids trying multiple sports and not specializing early, which I think is a trend that's kind of reversed. Yeah. But I think it's really important. I played every sport. I swam competitively for 10 years. I played a little bit of basketball, a little bit of soccer. So it was really an all around athlete. Um, And the funny story is like the reason I chose golf, I think I was good at it. Like I was really athletic. I hit the ball so much further than all the other little kids. (laughs) That was like really personally satisfying for some reason. So I was like, I can hit it like 50 yards past these kids. I should do this. And I was like, like, you sound like Mark Lawrence. (laughs) I I picture you as like a 13, 14 year old girl, just driving it up next to the green chip on one or two putts and making it look easy while all these other girls are trying to hit hybrid or three wood. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, there's something to this game. Um, I started playing kind of more competitively when I was 12 or 13, played in a lot of the local clubs. I know the MAPGA had a bunch of one day tournaments. Um, played in some other like various regional junior circuits, didn't play a ton of AJGA growing up, but I know that circuit was a lot smaller when I was a kid and they had, there were not as many events to play in qualified for one U S girls junior and a couple of junior PGA. So I had a taste of some of the national stuff, but really wasn't recruited by anybody. So like, how the hell that happened? Some Ivy league schools. Um, I remember like William and Mary told me there wasn't a spot on the team for me <laughs> and at a bunch of places wow. saying, like you can come walk on. So like, I didn't have a great recruiting, um, college experience, like recruiting experience and no one really wanted me to come play on their team, which was kind of sad and kind of demoralizing <laughs> to be honest. I was like, I'm not you got really a sad. little chip on your shoulder though. I had a little chip on my shoulder and I was like, well, let me just go and try and walk on a team. So I got into UVA on my own. I joined as a regular student out to Kim Lowell and the golf coach. I was like, Hey, I've been playing golf a long time. Any chance I can try out for this team? And she'll tell you this too. But she was like, I really didn't want to walk on. I didn't want to do a tryout. And she's like, we were a top 10 school in the country. We had a bunch of tournaments. Right. Who's this this girl, you know, emailing me that wants to be a random person. I don't know who they are. Like I I sent you a link to like the club team or something. (laughs) I mean, she's like, technically I have to let you try out because I think that's the rule. So she kept pushing it back. I think I had to wait like six or eight weeks and I had no car. And I was like, I really need to practice. I'm going to show up to this tryout that was in my college dorm. And I didn't have a bike either, but some girl down the hall had a bike. So I used to borrow her bike and take three clubs and put them on the handlebars and like ride five miles out to Birdwood. That's a ride of Ivy road. Cause I wanted to go hit golf balls. Cause like type A me is super stressed out because I haven't been practicing. So I'd ride my bike out there a couple of times a week and then tryout comes around. I think I called like a Charlottesville airport taxi to come take me to the golf course with my full set of clubs to go to the tryout. Um, I ended up shooting like 70, like under par by the fourth hole. Kim was like, you can actually play golf. You can be on the team. Oh, <laughs> really bad. You've been riding your bike here this whole time. Cause I've definitely seen you and made fun of you driving down the road, <laughs> leaving brackets. That was my kind of start on the UVA golf team. They gave me a ride back to my dorm, which was nice after the that time. Nice. I have to take that a cap. Nice. 
a ride back and a golf bag said, all right, you're good. <laughs> exactly. So I was really winning that day. Um, but it ended up working out really well. I played in three NCAA championships. The team was obviously good, grew a ton as a player and um, got to end up being like a scholarship player after my mm. second year. So it ended up working out well from being the kid who like didn't re- get recruited anywhere to Very any cool. school to kind of play in some NCAA championships. So I think it's a good story. <laughs> it's a great story. Are you kidding? That's awesome. And then you, um, I I think I've heard you mention before, you didn't heavily consider uh, playing professionally. Obviously, you had a great game, but you felt you could do more in the business world. And but you obviously wanted to continue playing golf. So did you just kind of have this mapped out like, hey, you know, I'd like to get a good job, start my career, but I still want to be competitive and play golf. How did that all kind of materialize? Because obviously you you have, you know, played. a really a nice national focus schedule for the last decade now, probably. Yeah. So I'm a nerd at heart. So I graduated UVA in three years with a math and economics degree. And then my fourth year, I got a master's in finance from the McIntyre school. So I feel very like unqualified to be in right now. (laughs) Incredibly unqualified. I'm I'm a super nerd at heart. Um, I majored in math. I don't know what that says about me, but it's a humble, humble way to say very intelligent. <laughs> hey, so I'm just smart. Super um, but through that graduate program, got a job offer with the Boston Consulting Group in DC, which is where I still work 10 years later. Um, but had a really good job offer. And I think it was a couple things for me. Um, I'm kind of an oddball in that I've continued to get better at golf in my entire life <laughs> over the course of my career. So I played well in college, but I'm probably three to four shots better now per round than I was in college, like much better player, much more well-rounded. I think for a couple of reasons, like I found like there's pros and cons at playing at a top program. Like one is that you play with great people who push you. The other side of that is like every tournament you go in and there's a lot of pressure to play well to make the lineup because the people sitting at home are like really good players and you have to perform in order to continue to kind of make the squad. And I think trying to play to win a golf tournament and playing to like make the squad is a lot of mental pressure. And I didn't do well with it. I think it made me play worse in college versus my potential. Um, So I think after that, I started playing for myself. So like playing to win, playing to get better, loving the game a lot more um, when I wasn't just trying to make the squad. It's kind of like when you go to a tournament, you play and your goal is to make the cut. You're always going to be right on the cut line. Right, right. If you're playing in the tournament, you're trying to win, you're going to make the cut, like, by default. But I was kind of playing to make the cut. So I wasn't ready to turn pro. I was like, I know definitively, based on, like, all these people I've seen play, I'm not going to make money doing this right now. And I was like, I want the optionality. So I had a good job offer. I said, let me go do this for a couple years. If I actually want to go play professionally, I think that's always an option. Because at least you've started your career. You have something that you know how to do. You can always (laughs) come back to it. That was my thinking. And then I started playing the amateur kind of stuff, meeting a bunch of people in the mid-am community. I said, like, I really like what I'm doing. I have a ton of goals in the amateur game. Realistically, I'm not going to be a top 10 player in the world at this point in my career at 30. So like, I kind of like what I'm doing. Um, I also had the opportunity to get more involved in the game. So trying to grow the mid-am game, trying to have a voice with some, with the USGA and I'm on the board of the VSGA and, um, speak with a lot of college players, a lot of amateur players about like how to shape their career and how to think about it. So that's been something that's been pretty cool along the way. 
Well, t- talk to me about some of these goals that you have. I'm, I'm very interested of these, these, these amateur goals that we're, we're speak of. Yeah. Some of them are short-term, some of them are long-term. Um, so some of the shorter term ones, um, right now I'm chasing dot bowling from kind of Southwest Virginia in terms of being the kind of woman who's won the most BSGA titles. Okay. I think I'm four ish behind right now. So I'd like to kind of solidify that. Like to polish um, that off. Like Polish that off and then start chasing Keith. I always give Keith oh, that yeah. time because he has like 30. Good and luck. Keith and I, Keith and I luck. play in the VSGA mixed four ball together, which I learned a ton and had a blast, but I'll tell him, I'm like, Keith, I'm, com- I'm coming after you, man. So I think from a state perspective, like would love to kind of get in the record books a few more times, would love to win a couple, at least one more USGA title, but hopefully a couple more. I'd like to play in a U.S. Women's Open because if I look at the USGA events and the ones I've been eligible for up to this point, based on my age, like the Open's the only one I haven't played in. I've been close. Um, would like to get to 50 USGA championships. I'm at 28 right now, so that one wow. feels doable. We might have to readjust, but that's a longer yeah. term thing. And then uh, this is really a stretch goal. People make fun of me for it, but looking ahead, like I think it'd be really cool for a women's amateur to win the u.s senior women's open i think it's doable yeah that's kind of a thing like obviously i have a while to get there but like i'm chasing long term so i think like setting goals has helped me like stay interested and motivated and have a bunch of different different levels yeah but uh, i think that's fantastic well let's uh since we're talking usga take us to uh where was it louisiana in 2015 for the uh, u.s women's mid-am Talk us through qualifying. You get there. I think you had just turned 25, correct? So it was your first yeah. U.S. Women's Mid-Am and, and sort of how that week played out and what it's meant for you ever since then to be a USGA champion. Yeah, it was my first mid. I think when I actually did the qualifier in August for the tournament, I was still 24. So I turned 25 a couple weeks before the actual event. Um, I did qualifying in Wilmington, Delaware, I believe. Um, big qualifying site. I think I shot even par, got in easily, had no idea what to expect, um, from a U.S. women's mid-am because I've been to a junior, I've been to a state team, been to a bunch of ams, but have never been to kind of a mid-am before. I knew a bunch of people, which was helpful through like the Virginia Carolinas matches. I knew a bunch of mid-ams. I knew a bunch of mids from other things I'd played in. Um, I was actually earlier that summer, I was in um, Cape Girardeau, Missouri at the USJ women's state team. And a couple of my friends from other states that were mid-ams threw me a mid-am birthday party um, in Missouri <laughs> for kind of aging in a mid-am. So that was fun. Nice. Uh, but I showed up in Louisiana, um, had no idea what to expect to Squire Creek. I was like, where is this place? I have to do two connecting flights and drive an hour and a half into the middle of the state and the town Shudran is listed as having like 800 people. <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. Um, the nearest hotel was like 45 minutes away. So I ended up getting host housing, which I normally don't do, but did that week. Um, ended up staying in like a 10,000 square foot mansion on the first green. That was beautiful. So that worked out pretty well. Um, but I don't know, it was just a, it was a fun week. I think the golf course is if you haven't played Squire Creek um, and you have the opportunity to do so, I'd recommend it like spectacular layout, perfect conditions, great hospitality. Um, but it's hard. Like their greens are 
huge. They are super undulated. They're really fast. They normally run 14 and a half for the members. They slowed them down to 12 and a half for us. So just like really challenging golf course. I think I shot 77 in the first round of stroke play and I was in like fifth place. How hard it was set up. I think I shot one under the next round. I was the second seed. Um, but I think it was a really good setup for me because I hit the ball further. I was a solid ball striker, so I could hold the greens <laughs> and I can get it in the right spots. So if you just shot even par out there, you're going to win every match because that course will eat you up. Um, so it's a little bit of a unique experience because I kind of just, to be honest, like steamrolled everybody. Like <laughs> I was only down for one hole the entire course of the six rounds of match play, wow. which was kind of nice. I played from ahead. It's a dream. That's an absolute it's the dream because I've gone through these brackets the other way where you're constantly fighting from behind and it's exhausting, but it was kind of the dream week. I played really well. My caddy was a local guy um, who just the volunteer caddy. Like he was 75 years old, wanted to play oh, the man. course because they volunteers get to play. Yeah. I'm just going to sign up for this thing. His name was Danny. He was, didn't really know anything about golf. He just gave me a hug every day in the morning. I was like, we're going to play great today. Gave me a hug and then just push the push cart. Um, what a guy, what awesome. a guy, like what he, guy. he would like go to the caddy stand and would like bum Advil off people. Cause I kept winning and he had to keep going and walk all these rounds. <laughs> so he was bumming Advil off the other caddies. Um, <clears throat> but it was really special. So I think when I made the putt to win, um, on the 17th hole against Margaret Shirley, it was a par five. And I actually just like chunked the crap out of my wedge shot. I had 50 <laughs> yards and I hit it to like 35 feet like 35 feet short of the hole, just like laid the sod over it and ended up making the putt to win oh, the wow. tournament. Um, yeah. But I looked over at Danny and he was like so emotionally invested in the week. He has like tears streaming down his face. I'm getting super emotional. My host family is like out there watching, Oh man, which is pretty cool. So I had like no friends or family there, but like all the community and the club was there watching and supporting. So that was really cool. Um, and then had the opportunity to stay in touch with Danny, my caddy over the coming years, he ended up getting cancer and passing away, sadly, but Aww. I was able to kind of keep that connection, which is really special to me. Very special. And what, uh, what sort of exemptions did that grant you? And not only playing wise, but I know it's led you to uh, be more involved with the VSGA and the USGA. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, so it was probably a pivotal point in my golf career and shaped the trajectory and the confidence level and what I've been able to achieve. But um, <clears throat> just from an exemption perspective, um, in 2015, I got two years exemption to the U.S. Women's Amateur, and I got 10 years to the Women's Mid-Am. In 2014, they add an exemption to the Women's U.S. Open. So it's kind of a bummer that I didn't get that one, but uh, fingers crossed I can get it someday. Yeah. Um, so I got those exemptions. I was also able to kind of use the win to reach out to folks at Kingsmill um, in Virginia and got a sponsor's invitation to play in the Kingsmill Championship on the oh, wow. yeah. home state. So I did that as well. Um, it was kind of an unofficial thing where I kind of parlayed it and said, Hey, like let's do this <laughs> hey, uh, type thing. Come on, man. Let me can't, can't hurt to ask. I love it. Can't hurt How to ask that? and it worked out. <laughs> How was that experience playing in, a, in an LPGA event? It was a really interesting experience because I was paired with people that I played college golf with mm-hmm. in the actual tournament. So I was paired with Cheyenne Woods, who's the same yeah. age as me, played at Wake Forest. I played at Virginia. So obviously knew Cheyenne. And played with Allison Lee, same age as me, played at UCLA. There's a little bit of like a weird, like flashback to college experience. Um, It's really special playing in your home state too, because it's almost like 
the fans get really close to you at LPGA events. And because it's in your home state you, as an amateur, like you actually have a ton of fans there. Like yeah. than some of the pros. Um, I was nervous though, like legit, really nervous the first day. I think I made like an eight and a couple doubles and then shot even the second day. So obviously missed the cut, but like had a good performance, birdied 18 in front of the grandstand, which was kind of cool. So it was a good learning experience and a good test, and a little bit of a college flashback. <laughs> That's really cool. So one event that I just think is the coolest thing ever is the ANWA, um, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. So are you eligible for that? And is that a tournament you are trying to actively try and play in or or what's the what's sore doing? subject, Tom? Sore, sore subject. subjects. We can talk about it. Um, so I think the ANWA is a great event for women's golf. I think it's a huge stepping stone. Right. I think they're still like growing into the event trying to figure out exemptions. Okay. Um, and how it works. So one of the exemptions, they take the top 30 Americans in the world amateur golf ranking. Um, so back in 2019, I took a bunch of time off and I made the Curtis cup practice squad and was ranked really highly. I missed by two spots in the world amateur golf ranking. The exemption, which if you actually crunch the numbers, it's devastating. It's like, oh, sorry to bring it up. I apologize. It's okay. <laughs> I've had years to think about this and figure out how to articulate it. So totally fine. Um, Damn it, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I should have done my research. I apologize. But I missed it, which is kind of a bummer. And then the Wagger made a bunch of changes to how they calculate the world amateur golf rankings, which are pretty unfavorable to mid-amateurs, to be honest. Mm. And to people outside of college, so my ranking plummeted based on the um, changes. So from a world ranking perspective, it's really difficult for anyone who's not in college or a junior golfer. Right. And I think eventually, or I hope they'll add an exemption for the U S women's mid amateur champion, given Augusta gives the men's mid amateur champion exemption to the masters. So yeah. you think that'd be coming. They um, should. They should. I'm hopeful. I think a lot of people yeah. are hopeful. We'll see. It's still a new tournament. So. Right. God, that's, What's, um, that, what, that's such a fantastic accomplishment to make that Curtis cup squad. Was that on the heels of, uh, I know you had a really nice run in the women's am, the main amateur. Was that on the heels of that? And where was that tournament? Yeah. So in 2018 at Golf Club of Tennessee in Nashville, I made a run to the quarterfinals. Such an awesome golf course. Such an awesome awesome course. course. Have a lot of like deep ties and friends that are affiliated with that course. And always, anytime I see a tournament there, I like immediately sign up and move things around. (laughs) That that place is so freaking cool. Like awesome collection of holes, really good par threes, like yeah. awesome environment, but uh, made the quarters there. I think I was the oldest person to make the quarters in like 15 years or something at that time. Yep. And I was, I was, uh, I was working from home and I was actually able to watch. I remember watching you in that event. That was really cool. And they did mention several times uh, how you were, uh, you know, making it so far for a mid-am. They mentioned that. And I also got called out for being too generous in my putt giving, which I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> because in my, the match I ended up losing, I was playing Lauren Stevenson, who's on the LPGA tour. She's like the number three ranked women's amateur in the world at the time. And we're on first, we're on the first hole of the quarterfinal match. And I had like a five foot slider, like left to right slider for par. And she had like a four foot uphill putt. I was like, can we just go good, good? <laughs> And I apparently got grilled on the TV coverage for doing that and being too generous. Oh, man. <laughs> like strategy. But I'm like, there is nothing good that can happen here. Like, I have a harder putt. It's the first right. hole. No one wants to miss a short putt <laughs> on the first hole to go one down. 
Hey, the player always knows. The player always knows. The player always knows. I mean, Lauren ended up missing a bunch of short putts on the front. So maybe like that's why they're saying that. But I'm like, there is nothing good that could come out of doing this. Let's just tie the first hole. Um, but made a deep run there. I took them <clears> off from work in 2019. I think I played in 12 events, mostly amateur stuff, and finished top five and almost all of them at a bunch of big events um, and was the semifinalist at the U.S. Women's Mid-Am um, in Flagstaff, Arizona. So put together a pretty good um, 2019 and then got the call that I made the Curtis Cup practice squad. Um, so that was a weekend down at Lob Lolly um, in Hope Sound, mm-hmm. just north of Jupiter, where they take um, 12 people that are kind of in the final running to make the Curtis cup squad. And it's a really fun weekend because part of it's just like, get to know people. Um, part of it is like getting to play all the different formats. So playing alternate shot, playing four ball, um, playing with different partners to see how you gel and see how you play. So that was a really fun experience. I think I won all my matches down there with all my partners. And it was kind of cool as a mid-am because I'd been around the amateur game um, a lot the last couple of years. I knew everybody there. So it's a really yeah. fun weekend. And then COVID hit. So my world ranking was great. I played well at the practice session and then COVID hit and they postponed the matches a year and I didn't play as much because of COVID and my world ranking plummeted because of the algorithm changes. It's kind of like perfect storm of things that didn't end up making the Curtis cup, but that's something that, um, still on my radar that would be yeah to participate in. And it feels like a stretch, but it feels like something that could, could happen. Tom and I will try to stop bringing up sore points. I would imagine some of the ladies on that squad are now playing professionally, like was Cup Joe or Maria Fossey or anybody down there for your practice? Um, Maybe not, but so they were on the pri- they were on the prior Curtis Cup. Okay. So this one, a lot of the top college players were there. Um Rose uh Zhang was there, who's oh, the number wow. one amateur in the world. So yeah. Um, it was a younger team, so I think a lot of the folks will be professional players and very successful or kind of making that transition now. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I, I like to ask this question for anybody that plays a high level of golf, but best and worst shot of your career that you can think of? Oh, that's so hard. And hard. you can't say the 50-yard wedge shot that you hit to 35 feet and shit can <laughs> You're not allowed – You're. I'm not letting you say I mean, it. that was obviously not the worst shot because it set up the perfect strategy to win the ball tournament. <laughs> exactly. Way. It was a good I, leave. It was I underneath. could have hit it up there to five feet and had a knee knocker where it have been yeah. really nervous. So You left, you left it underneath the hole. That might have been the greatest shot of my career. I'm probably not. <laughs> um. Greatest is hard because, I mean, when you've been playing for 20 years, there's a bunch of stuff that's happened. I mean, things that I remember. It can be like a top two or three. I don't care. You just did say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some memorable ones. So, like, obviously, like, winning the mid-am, making the putt to win was memorable. Um, I've had a couple VSJ women's amateurs. I've had to do something on 18 or matches or I've had to do something on 18 and big events and have made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um so we were playing at Danville Golf Club. I don't know. It might have been like the 2011 VSJ Women's Am, which I ended up losing in extra holes. But um, I was down, like two down, won the last two holes, 118 with like a 25-foot putt I had to make to extend the match. So that was big. Um, one of my stroke plays that I won uh, at the woods course at Kings mill. Don't make me quote the years, probably 2010 or 2011. I was 
down four shots with four holes to play, birdied the last four. Whoa. Closed the gap and then won in a seven hole playoff where I birdied like three or four of the holes. Let's go. That was a pretty memorable stretch of golf, just to put it together. Um, Good. Probably one of my other more memorable matches in match play. And I know you asked for a shot, but I'm giving you like. No, I like it. Hey, you you take the question and run with it. I'm just here to listen. So we're in Flagstaff um, at the 2019 Women's Mid-Amateur. And uh, I'm in the quarterfinals playing a mid-am from Canada. And I did one of the things that I tend to do sometimes where I have like a brain fart and I bogey four holes in a row and match play and go four down. (laughs) So I was six down after the front nine in match play toast shoot six under on the back nine to tie the match on 18 knew I had to make birdie. I had a like 45 foot putt from the fringe that had to go in, (laughs) nailed it. it? That might might be my favorite one that you've, that you've mentioned. That's amazing. There's a video of it too, that the USGA uses. And every time I see the video, I'm reminded of like how bad my fist pumps are and how I need to work on them. So make poor, this awesome putt and have this like really lame pump uh, that looks terrible. And I'm like, I gotta work on that. You realize um, that that poor lady from Canada, she has nightmares about that back nine still. Gosh, too. Probably does. And I won in like 23 holes or 21 holes. Oh ultimately. my god. She just wakes She's up the nice night. Though. She's a friend lose? of mine now. She like came out and watched me play a match at Berkeley Hall, which is kind of cool. So oh, wow. um that oh, was speaking cool. of speaking of Canada, you won the US women's mid-am in Canada as well right I did so in 2019 I decided to go to Canada uh, I played in the Canadian am a bunch of times uh, okay. and I've done pretty well in it so I finished third place in the regular Canadian amateur and have two other top 10 finishes um, and made a bunch of friends in Canada that are senior players so for whatever reason Canada's <laughs> produced a ton of the like top senior women's amateurs they're always like in the semifinals. They're all amazing, incredible people. Um, so my friend Judith Crinis, who won a USGA Women's Senior Am, convinced me to come up and play the Mid-Am. And it was in Newfoundland, which is kind of fun. Wow. So, um, I convinced my mom to go up to Newfoundland, play golf for the weekend, and ended up winning that one, I think, by like 19 strokes. So it wasn't very oh, <laughs> um, Played really well. I mean, I shot a gazillion under and got to see Newfoundland. So that was kind of a cool one. Is that one that you, have you gone back to that or was that kind of a special one-time deal? It was a one-time deal, but it's hard to say because I think I wanted mic drop. That's a mic drop of a performance. <laughs> you can't, after you win by 19, you can't take it up again. The funniest <laughs> thing is my mom is not, my mom says she hates golf. She doesn't play. She says she hates golf, but she probably watches more of the PGA and LPGA tour on TV than I do. <laughs> if you asked her to name she can tell you everyone's name on the pga tour and she can probably name like 50 or 80 lpga tours so i don't know where this hating golf thing comes she's from she's in, de- she's in denial maybe she just hates watching me play golf but apparently it makes her very nervous and um i go to her and we're playing the mid-am and i go how do you like the tournament she's like i'm so nervous watching you i'm like at what point were you nervous <laughs> i was like after the first day i wasn't nervous and i get right. super nervous and anxious when i play and i wasn't nervous. i was up by seven <laughs> like i wasn't nervous at all yeah i wasn't nervous and like i get super jittery on the first tee still and get nervous and my like handshake when i putt sometimes i'm like i don't know why you were nervous that's all. i just I just remembered something. I hadn't even thought about this uh, just now, but oh gosh, Lauren, what year was it? 
we played in the same event once the uh, the the VSGA men's mid am Winchester which was that uh, Winchester yeah what year what was that about 2018 I think yeah um, it was sometime around there and that was pretty cool and if I remember correctly you beat about two thirds of the field um, what sort of spurred the decision to play in that and what did you think about playing with the guys and have you done it since or do you plan to do it again yeah that was a fun one. Um, so we don't have a women's mid-am in the state of Virginia right now. It's on the horizon. We're working on it. I chair the women's tournament committee. So it's one of my things we're going to have. Nice. Um, but we haven't had one in the past. And that tournament's on a weekend. I saw it was at Winchester, a course that I played a ton of times. And like, it's not very long from the back tees. It's only like 6,300 yards. Yep. So it's super attainable. I played it well in the past. And I was like, I'm just going to sign up for this. I think I reached out to Matt Smiley. I was like, is this okay? Can I do this? He was like, yeah, go ahead by all means. (laughs) So I signed up for it. Um, Yeah. I think I got like just under a top 20. I didn't play particularly well. It was kind of cold and windy. I think that tournament got postponed um, for some sort of weather issue. If it had been played in August when it was warmer, it probably would have been easier for my game just because I would have been hitting like much shorter clubs into the greens. Um, and it wouldn't have been as wet, but it was a really cool experience. I think for the most part, I think people were excited about it and accepting. I've heard a couple things where people were like not happy or had some ego issues. They didn't want me playing, but those guys. Um, no, I mean, it was nice. Cause I have, having been around Virginia golf a long time, I know a bunch of the men's players and John, you and I have known each other a long time. And I dated someone who played in a bunch of tournaments in the past. So I had, I, I knew a lot of the people and had relationships. Yeah. I think going in like knowing the people it makes it easier to be accepted versus like me being some random person in the tournament. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure there were some some jerks out there, but I I had, I had a few conversations that everyone was excited. You were there. I think for the most part, guys encouraged it and we're glad that uh, we had a female in the field. And then um, I played in the Virginia state open the year, a year or two after that. And Joanna kept Joanna Coe Mm -hmm. was in that field, which was pretty cool. So um, gotta love when uh, women are able to, uh, play with the men and not only play, but play well and compete. Like you said, you were something 20 something, which is out of 90 or hundred guys is very respectable. Very, very good finish. Yeah. And I haven't done it again, mainly for the reason of um, the way the wagger rankings are set up, you get points, but it's really disadvantaged. So they uh, get points off of the men's ranking and oh, the men's strength of field. So it's like, I think my world ranking went down a whole bunch. I feel like it should be separate. Like, I don't feel like that should. Yeah. It should be separate or not count or something. Yeah. yeah. Just sign up under an alias. Just create, <laughs> just get like a fake ID. Like you were 16 and you're trying to buy beer for the first time. Just go in under a different name. We can work um, on that for next year. Speaking of uh last thing I wanted to ask you about, you were talking a little bit about, that's really cool. I'm glad to hear that you're helping spur the initiative to start a VSGA women's mid-am. A uh, new tournament that caught my eye a couple of years ago was the Donna, the, the Donna mm-hmm. Andrews Invitational at Boonesboro. Um, were you kind of involved in that process of getting that going or are you involved? Uh, and just tell us a little bit about that tournament. I think it's a really neat, you know, Virginia guys are spoiled. We have an incredible amount of so invitationals to choose from the Kenridge, the Valentine, the Fox Puss, all these great invitationals. And, um, you know, you were mentioning 
ladies sort of having that gap from 23, 24. Mm -hmm. That's what the AGA is trying to address. Um, but tell us a little bit about the Donna and how that is also a good event for the women's game. Yeah, I mean, to play all these good tournaments, I normally have to log like 40,000 airline miles around the country to go to these random places to play in events. There's no like play over the weekend. Right. <laughs> At Farmington. <laughs> so you guys are lucky. Um, yeah. So the Donna is a really interesting story. So Boonesboro's hosted the Fox Puss for a long time. And there was a member named Steve Washburn, his daughter, Danielle played competitive golf, not at like an elite college, but like very good, like amateur um, player. She has some game and they're sitting there watching the last day of the Fox Puss. And I think Danielle said to her dad, like, why don't we have a tournament for women here? Like, why can't we do something similar? The membership should support it. So that was kind of the genesis of like how the idea came about. I think the Boonesboro membership really got behind it. So it was a couple of the members. Donna Andrews has the rich history with the club and grew up playing there. And they reached out to her to kind of be the face and the name of the tournament to build buzz around it. Um, LPGA Hall of Famer, I believe, right? She's a LPGA Hall of Famer, major yeah. winner, yeah. Um, teaching coach out of Pine Needles, like awesome person. I've developed a relationship and I've kind of gotten to know her a little bit better. Uh, through being engaged in the tournament. But when they're trying to get it off the ground in the first year, uh, Steve and the Boonesboro membership reached out to me and said, hey, will you get behind this tournament? Will you help like promote it on your Instagram? Will you come down and play Boonesboro and check it out? Can you put it on your schedule? So early on, I wasn't heavily involved in the planning of the tournament, but I helped kind of drive engagement, mention it to folks that I know and like made it a commitment to put it on my calendar. Um, so I've played in it, I think three of the four years, I had some stuff going on this year with my job, um, where I've been working a little bit more and playing less. Um, so I didn't play this year, but I played the first three mm -hmm. and it's been really exciting to see an event get off the ground and start to grow. Um, if you actually look at the rankings and the players they're attracting and quality of the college players, it's probably arguably a stronger field than the Fox Post now. Wow. When you look at the players coming from all over to play in it. So I think that's really exciting. It's nice to have kind of an event like that in Virginia and see people get a, basically um, like get engaged and get jazzed about it. So I think it'll continue to grow. I think the fields have gotten stronger every year. I think it got helped by COVID because they were able to host the event in a safe way. And that drove people um, into Boonesboro that didn't have a tournament to play in where other things were getting canceled. So um it's been an awesome event. It's a great weekend. Um, Donna's really heavily engaged, actively kind of talks to the players, is around. So it's an awesome weekend. I'm excited to see where the tournament goes, but I think we need more of that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. I had no idea about that event. That's that's amazing. I love that. <clears throat> All right, Lauren. Well, thank you so much for coming on. That was awesome. I was that was oh, a, this was a lot of fun. That was a whirlwind of information. That was fantastic. <laughs> I've I feel blessed to just even be on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming. That was great. Just remember, Tom, you're not allowed to go to any more Virginia Tech football games. If you want <laughs> to go to the Tech UVA game, you're more than welcome to. I, you know, I really want to, but I think I'm a curse. I think I'm a curse. <laughs> I so think I, you should plan to attend that game. I'll buy you a ticket. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate that. All right, we're going we're, we're gonna to go now. All right, Lauren, it's been great. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank so you, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Sounds good. See ya. See ya. Thank you.